When you talk about gratefulness and or thankfulness, it is a, for me, it, it, it's like looking at the ocean. It's a vast subject, and it's really somewhat of a theologically complex subject. As you think about thankfulness and gratitude, we can speak of the subject as maybe like a virtue or a character quality. We can list a bunch of qualities and then say thankfulness is like that. We can talk to it in terms of a discipline, as a spiritual discipline, in that we ought to train ourselves to be content and to be more thankful for the things of life, so a way of life and a habit. We can consider gratitude as a condition of the heart. We say, you know, gratitude is an attitude. And so we can look at it, you know, as maybe reflective of the condition of our heart. I think most of us think about thankfulness as a response or an emotion, you know, something that we may feel in uh, when someone does something for us. We see it as a courtesy to say thank you when something's done for us. And, and not wrongly, we sometimes look at it as an obligation that we should be thankful. Uh, but a thought here in Psalms 92 that I, I, I think is really instructive is that being thankful is just good. And it's good at a lot of levels. So let's read the first verse there. Psalms 92 verse 1 says, It is a good thing, it is good, to give thanks unto the Lord, and to sing praises unto Thy holy name, O Most High. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the day. And Lord, um, if we just slow down for a moment, we thank You for the day. We thank You for the mercy of the day, for the beauty of it. Lord, the opportunity that we had in this day, the health to enjoy it. Lord, the chance to assemble here. Lord, there's a multitude of reasons that we should be thankful for this day. And so, Lord, we are. Father, tonight, as we look into this verse, just what it means to consider the goodness of having a thankful spirit, Lord, I pray to be instructive to our spirit tonight, and that we might, in our inner man, reflect the qualities that you desire for us, and Lord, from us. And so, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. In my years, I've studied a lot of biology, a lot of chemistry, physiology, anatomy, genetics. I, I love those subjects. Uh, I, I always will. And I think my study there um, has made the thought that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That verse just you know, pops to me. I understand the complexity to a degree, a very limited degree of what others might, the complexity of our anatomy and physiology, and you know, we're, we're a living wonder in that way. And then to consider we are made in the image of God and His likeness. And the Bible tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is certainly true. That verse speaks of the amazing complexity and intricacy um, in which God created us. As a student of these things, uh, I've always seen creation as a evidence of the Creator. Uh, I was talking to someone recently about <laughs> this is my nerdiness. We're talking about the universe and the cosmos, and you know the, the reason that you know God maybe would have created all that much of it until the last you know, century beyond our perception. And in my mind, I just it's obvious is that it just speaks of the awesomeness, the almightiness of the wonder of the uh, splendor of God. You know, His creation speaks of a Creator. It's just, it's there and it's obvious. And uh, I think one of the things that means that we are wonderfully and fearfully made 
is that God has given us a capacity, and the capacity is different than other organic life. Um, animals are beautiful, they're, they're wondrous, they're, uh, they, they magnify the creativity of God, but you know, they, they are different in that um, not only do they bear the image and likeness of God, but they don't have the capacity that we do to enjoy and appreciate life. Now, I want you to think about this, and I made this point before, but I want you to bear down on it, and I want you to consider this. Because where I'm working to the, is, is this, is that gratitude is a gift. When God made us, He didn't make us automatons, He didn't make us robotic, He didn't make us like the angels, to just be automatically responsive to God. Um, I don't know how much ability angels have to appreciate the beauty and the wonder of the world about them. But we do. And part of the reason we do is because of the gifts that God has given us in this idea of being fearfully and wonderfully made. The idea of sight. Um, the ability to perceive the world around us in a visual context, we take it for granted, but it's a remarkable gift. And we sometimes understand that in a greater way when we see someone who can't see, when someone may not have sight, when, when somebody might be born blind or develop that condition over time. I think if we just were to stop for a moment and think about what would life be without sight, and the fact that we do have sight, well, our hearts maybe should fill with a bit of gratitude for having it. Um, we think about it as normal, but it is an incredible gift. Much of the information uh, we know of the wonder of creation around us is through sight, what we see. Um, we, this, this, this idea that light waves bounce off things and then bounce back through the exit pupil of my eye into the back of my eye and twist upside down upon the retina and then is once again inverted in my brain. And then there's an image back here that I perceive in my head of what's happening out here. Like, it's Whoa! You know, I mean, you all actually exist back here, but I perceive you there. It's just, it's amazing. And it's accurate, you know. If I reach out to touch you, you're actually where my brain says you are. And, uh, and that all comes through sight. It's, it's amazing. It's a means of information. But it's a gift. It's an incredible gift that allows us to appreciate the world. Think of the beauty and wonder of sight. Um, in the fall, how many of us have said to another, look at that sunset? Because it's, it's just a visual wonder of sight. Um, we look at the vastness of space. Uh, Karen and I had the chance some years ago to be in South Africa. And there the sky was not encumbered with the dust and particles and light that we have here. And we could actually see the Milky Way. And it was just amazing sight to, to see that in that unhindered way. I, it's left an impression on us ever since. I just didn't know. I've seen pictures like that, but we, we, we saw that. Uh, think about the ocean. You know, you just, you gotta just look at it. It just goes on and on and on, and it's beautiful. Um, mountains, flowers, the faces of people around us. Terry and I recently went to Switzerland, and so much of the appreciation of that trip was what we saw. The food was eh, um, you know, um, no significant smell other than the cows, but the sights. There were some times where we were, no hyperbole, awestruck by what we saw. You hike up there, you're in the Alps, and then you just stop and you marvel at the creation of God, and it looks 
um, you know, otherworldly. It's just magnificent. And we sat in one place just still and just watched. And I told Terry, I said, I, I could have sat in that spot every day for days and never had the ability to take in everything that was there to perceive. Just beautiful. That's a gift. You know, that's a gift that we have every day. Everything else in life taken away, that is a, a gift that God gives us. There's also the gift of hearing. The sense of hearing, the ability to distinguish auditory vibrations in the inner canal of our ear, we are informed about the world around us. But again, hearing not only gives us perception, but appreciation. Um, we come here every Sunday and we are so blessed by what we hear, right? The choir. You know, we could just watch them sing, but that's not the same thing as listening to them sing. Um, you know, we, we could watch something happen, but to hear it happen is really amazing. During the sabbatical, I spent quite a bit of time in the woods, and I'm hunting and then just listening. And then, you know, if you just can get still for a little while, you know, the woods just come to life with sound. And there's so many things there. And it's just like, you know what, in a quick, uh, you know, cursory pass, you would notice, but if you just stop and are still, it's like it, it explodes with all kinds of things that can be appreciated. To hear each other, to hear the words, I love you, to say those words, that is an incredible, that's an incredible gift. Another sensory gift we all take for granted is the olfactory sense or the sense of smell. Smell adds to our world just as much as color adds to our vision. Of all the senses, smell is the one that embeds in our memory the longest. You know, you remember like, that's what grandma's house smelled like. Or, you know, that's what um, dad's truck smelled like or something. You know, we, we remember the scent of perfume or freshly baked cookies. Um, when the girls come around me, they say, they say Dad has a smell. I, I'm guessing that's polo. I don't know what that means. But, you know, they, they, they claim I have that. And um, I hope it's not bad. But anyway, <laughs> you know, there's just, it adds so much. The sense of touch, tactile. The tactile sensation. You know, that's, a, that's, that's a gift. There's simply no replacement for the wonder of the gift of touch, the ability to feel it, perceive the world around us, the tactile senses inform so much of our world. Through touch we know hot from cold, sharp from dull, texture from smooth. And what a gift it is, you know, to play with a puppy. Um, turtles, not so much, but a puppy. To hold someone's hand, to kiss your spouse. You know, um, to cuddle with the cheek of a baby. Those are incredible gifts that God gives to us. And then finally, of these senses, you know, God gives taste. And, and, and I think this one more than the rest helps us get where I want to go. So I want you to kind of lean into this because it, it's the segue between where I'm going. The gift of taste. Of all the senses, this one is probably the purest of them all. And by that I mean it's the one that's most a gift. It's the one that's maybe least necessary, but the one that adds the most uh, color to our world. You know, we are familiar with the tragedy of loss of sight or going deaf or even losing touch through amputation or injury. We don't often think about losing the sense of taste, or at least we didn't before COVID. You know, but for me, that was a symptom, so we kind of related for a moment with that. But I can assure you, if taste were permanently lost, it would be as devastating as losing color to vision. It would make our world much more bland 
no pun intended. Think about this, okay? Think about this, because we don't. We are not a whole lot different than things in the mechanical world. Um, there's, in a principled way, we're not much different than our car. A car requires energy. It receives that from a substance called gas or petrol. Petrol is really just a long series of carbon chains with hydrogen attached to it, about 20 to 40 carbons long. Uh, in the combustion system of an engine, that carbon is broken down into smaller particles. It is burnt in the releasing the atoms, energy is released. That's where we get the power from. And it breaks down, and what comes out of your exhaust in carbon dioxide and water. That's why your exhaust kind of drips water sometimes. And uh, carbon monoxide as well, and you breathe that, you die. But um, that's what it does. We, a much more complex creature, also burn fuel. We burn smaller chain molecules that are six to 12 um, atoms long, if you will, carbon, 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 carbon. Um, we call it glucose, sucrose. Things break down to that. When we break it down, energy is released from the hydrogens being torn apart. And we break the components down into carbon dioxide and water. And not a lot of difference. The point is this. You and I could function on potatoes forever, theoretically. And, you know, like without taste. In other words, minus taste, you know, we don't have to know what a chocolate chip cookie tastes like, but we do. And what a great way to get glucose. <laughs> you know, steak. Uh, you get the idea? Think about some, one of the favorite things that you all love to do is eat. We base fellowship around that. We enjoy it. We compare notes about restaurants. This one, that one. Some of us have a, you know, a great appreciation for the Burger Kings and McDonald's of the world. Um, but here's my point. We don't require any of that. We need six to 12 long carbon chains to be broken down to provide us energy. Now, nutrients aside, you get the idea, but God gave us steaks and fried chicken and mashed potatoes and all this Thanksgiving's coming. Why? It's a gift. It's just a gift. It's part of our being fearfully and wonderfully made. It's so we can have appreciation and uh, see the world with wonder. See, all these senses are amazing gifts. I could stop this sermon tonight and say, hey, don't take these gifts from God for granted. Because everything else is taken away from you. If you have these, man, you, you have something amazing. But, but my thought is this. It's not to give you a biology lesson, but a spiritual lesson. You see, our senses were given to us partly out of necessity, part as a blessing, and they're given so we can fully appreciate the wonder of life. Without them, our experience in this world would be somewhat diminished. But tonight, I also consider the gift of, of gratitude. Because we don't often think about it as a gift, but something rather that we do. It's not, this, it's not a gift that is visual, tactile, olfactory, but adds just as much to our ability to appreciate the world around us. Gratitude can be what taste, sight, smell, and these things are 
in terms of how it informs the heart in terms of blessing. And I think that's an incredible thought. It can fill our life with appreciation and wonder. We may not think about it this way, but gratitude is not just a response to gifts we have received, but gratitude and the ability to have gratitude is in itself a gift that God gives us. That's amazing. Gratitude is defined as a feeling of thankfulness and or appreciation. It's the awareness and appreciation of some benefit. It's a perception that something assisted me in my life and my world and then returning some kind of response of appreciation for that. Think about that. Our senses give us an awareness so we might appreciate the world. And gratitude is also an awareness. At least it should be an awareness that produces the same result, appreciation. Man, I get a C today. Thank you, God. Man, I had a great meal tonight. Thank you, Lord. What a sunset. I get to go to church tonight. In other words, it, it's the same thing if, you know, if like we saw the gospel for the first time, we'd be in wonder. It's like, man, we get to do things every day. And I notice them. I'm aware of the little manifold thousands of blessings that God gives me. You know, if we could grab all that, it would change our lives. What a gift. What a gift. Text 92, Psalm 91, it says that. It says that to be grateful is a gift. It's good. Good in our text, it's very interesting because it is not so much talking about a moral condition, but a benefit received itself. It's good means to make well, to cheer the heart, to be thankful, chills, cheers our heart. It means to make bountiful, to make one prosperous, to make one well. It is a gift. William Law, 17th century theologian, said this, If you could therefore work miracles, you could not do more for yourself, keyword, than having a thankful spirit. For it heals with the word and turns all that it touches into happiness. Now, not just your heart as I say it to you, not just good for you to hear me say thank you, but the suggestion in the Bible in William Law is, is that it's good for me to say it, and it does something in my own heart that is good. God sees it as a good, you see it as a good, and I'm growing a garden in my own heart that's good. I'm creating a condition of heart and attitude that is beneficial to every component that I just mentioned. It, it's good. The gift of gratitude brings joy. That's a goodness. It brings joy to the heart. There's a litany of scientific research that lists the psychological and physiological benefits of a person who is not discontent. And, and I've read these before. I'm not going to do that again. But I, just, I think we all understand that. Over the course of years of ministry, I've done this long enough. I've seen enough people who are sick and ill. I've been to enough hospitals. I, I don't think I'm stretching when I say this. I have seen people die of bitterness. I've seen people become physically, emotionally, spiritually deficient, not because something's wrong in the cardiovascular system with their heart, because something's wrong with the spirit of their heart. David intimated this in, in Psalm 51 um, when he said that you know, his bones were broken when he held sin, a bad spirit, when he wasn't grateful, when he coveted instead of was content, 
he intimated that there was a physical a suffering in his body. It drieth the bones. There are, there's the spiritual virtue and benefit of this, but there's, there's, there's more to it. You know, the cortisol levels of our body are decreased. We have less stress. We tend to be more happy. It brings joy to life in so many ways. It keeps us from covetous, envy, bitterness, anger, anxiety. It is an incredible um, recipe for a happy heart. The gift of gratitude also brings contentment into our world. Gratitude brings it with the ability to be happy with what the Lord provides. The Bible tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain, and contentment comes as a result of being grateful for what we have and not always thinking about what we don't have. It's a matter of perspective and focus. When we are not thankful, when we are always comparing, when we, we see the things we don't have versus what we do have, our world degenerates into baser things, envy, covetous, dissatisfaction, and complaint. We lose our ability to ever rest, to enjoy what we do have, and to see God in things we have as a source of joy and blessing. I've read this before. I love this. I think this is so America in contemporary Western culture. Uh, <coughs> To want more of what we already have enough of. And I, I'm going to use the word stuff because I, I love the thought. We often think about gifts in material terms in terms of stuff. We all have stuff. We see it. We want it. We buy it. We display it. We insure it. We compare it with other people's stuff. Sometimes we get our own stuff. And sometimes we give stuff. All of us love stuff. We sometimes talk about whether we have too much stuff. We often envy or pass judgment on other people's collections of stuff. We often like to collect stuff. And when our pile is big enough, we often feel terribly secure or successful. We get a house to put stuff in and get a, bitter, a bigger house to put more stuff in. Comedian George Carline said, I have a house. He said, a house is just a pile of stuff with a cover on top of it. The point is, some people have actually survived without ever owning a house and or much stuff. There are now, and this, this, this is dated, there are tens of thousands and maybe upwards to hundreds of thousands of storage facilities. Up where I live in Claremont, Owasso, like every field is turning into one. And that, I mean, a huge one by our house and there's huge ones everywhere. Literally billions of square feet now space to hold the stuff <laughs> that people's homes cannot hold. I love this. It is hard to imagine, but in the 1960s, the industry of many storage did not even exist. <laughs> what did people do? Today, it is a multi billion dollar uh, business storing stuff that people seldom use. Psychologists have made three observations about people's stuff. Number one, they have a hard time getting rid of it. They often don't like to share it. It seldom makes people happy. And uh, there is not a direct correlation between stuff and happiness. More of one does not beget more of the other. People are grateful because they see what God gives is sufficient. 
and they're happy with what God gives. They're not preoccupied with always chasing more of what they already have enough of. The gift of gratitude brings an appreciation to our world. Um, it keeps us from complaining. Um, Lou Gehrig was one of baseball stars of yesteryear. He was the New York Yankee star, first baseman, who had a fabulous career. And I tell this story because um, our family can relate to this because of extended family. But he suffered from Lou Gehrig's disease. And uh, months before he passed away, of course, the disease shortened his life substantially. Um, the Yankees were honoring him for his accomplishment. Lou Gehrig did something remarkable. He expressed gratitude for the life he had, not for the ailment that he possessed. He didn't complain about it. He took a microphone at one of his last games for a large crowd, and he expressed appreciation to the vendors who sold hot dogs in the stadium. He thanked the ticket takers, the maintenance crew, the stadium workers, whose contributions made his illustrious career and salary possible. He recognized they seldom, if ever, get recognized, but he realized that all the benefits he enjoyed in life were possible largely because of their efforts. You know, if we just stop for a moment there and, and think that you and I stand on the shoulders of a lot of other people's investments in us. I can stand here feeling entitled. Or I can realize that behind me are thousands of other people's efforts and grace on a weekly basis that make this possible. Um, and, and this man understood that. I, I just compare that with today and you know all of our sports stars and those people that are entitled they bargain for more and more and more and more and see it as something that they need and are supposed to do. And uh, they're not content. And I love this. I'm getting close. Gratitude just helps us to enjoy the little things in the world. Probably the greatest thing that gratitude, gratitude does for our heart in terms of good, it just helps me enjoy life. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Gratefulness brings great fullness to life. The choice to adopt and to hold the moment-by-moment -moment attitude of appreciation is a choice. And it's what differentiates the perspective of the world. It's not that today's a bad day or a good day. It's a day that the Lord hath made, and it's my response to all that that colors whether it's good or bad. Every, all things can work together or good if I just work, understand that. I, I can take I can make every day a good day if I want to. Not everything's good in it, but I can have that attitude. It's not the actual events and circumstances that occur during one's journey through life that determine whether or not a person is happy or, and prosperous. It is the conscious and willful choice to be grateful for the bounty that life does present to us. The ones I started with, senses and beyond. Like everything else on the path to mastery, gratitude is a choice. And it's one in the coming days, next two weeks, we should think about. Hence the sermon. You can choose to wait for some pleasant thing to happen in your life to feel gratitude. Or you can just choose to look for things to be grateful for and find them all around you. When we see the world through grateful eyes, the world conspires to give us reasons to be thankful. 
And when you choose to be ungrateful, the world seems to conspire to give you information that makes you ungrateful. If we were to be content with what we had, I think um, we would be well on the way to what God intends. There's a text that says this. For he that hath, to him shall be given more. Okay. We hear that sometimes, and we almost could cry unfair. Well, if he already has, why do you give him more? Okay, it's all about what you are thinking about. To he that hath happiness, to him will be given more. To him that has contentment, well, he will be given more. To him that is thankful, man, he'll just find a lot more reasons to be thankful. To a man who wants to be good, he'll find that it's easier to be good and reasons to be good. But the verse doesn't end there. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath away. I'm not happy. I make a prediction. You're going to be more unhappy later. Feel entitled. Prognostication. You're going to feel more entitled down the road. The world's hard. You know, I guess. Um, that's going to be amplified in your life down the road. You tend to get more of what you already have. And if you don't have it, you're going to lose it. Now, there's a thousand applications there, but that's a good one. And it's a good one for terms of gratitude. Here's the thought. How much have we subtracted from our life that we didn't have to because we weren't thankful? What are we missing out on? Not because we don't have something, because we don't choose the goodness of appreciating what we do have. You know, God help us. Let me ask you to stand tonight if you would.